Here's chapter eight of the book Practicing Lean. It's written by Bob Rush. Again, if you'd like to learn more about the Louise H. Batts Patient Safety Foundation, you can do so at www.louisebatts.org. Chapter 8, Bob Rush. Bob Rush is currently a lean manufacturing group leader for Tesla Motors in Fremont, California. Bob has over 35 years of operations experience and has had over 25 years of lean practice. His experience is in companies ranging from startups to Fortune 100 companies and title levels that ranged from shipping clerk to VP of operations. In addition to Tesla, some of the companies he has worked with and for include Hewlett-Packard, JDS Uniphase, and IDEX Corporation. His journey includes 10 years of consulting experience, where he had only himself to blame if things didn't work out. His lean journey started with world-class manufacturing, which led to lean manufacturing, where he was fortunate enough to learn Kaizen events from the Shingejitsu Consulting Group. He continues to work with a love of Kaizen as a way of life, and has led more than 500 Kaizen events over the course of his practice in lean. He has been trained that respect for people is the most critical pillar of lean, and he shows it with all people that he works with. Bob lives in San Jose, California with his wife and two of his four sons. Everyone is an expert. After being in the lean world since before the term lean was used, and instead was referred to as world-class manufacturing, I have seen a number of things over the years that just grab my attention. My sensei has told me numerous times that there are no lean experts, only people who have been at it for a longer time. I am now officially one of those that have been at it for a longer time. I know exactly what he means now. In my new position, I am involved in lean full time, not as part of my duties, but as my only duty. It is a different view when all you have to look for is waste and problems, yet have no authority to fix them. This reminds me of when I first went into production control, when planners had to get everything through the plant and yet had no authority over anyone. I feel I really became good at getting results by working with people, by helping them solve their problems, and by focusing on the results needed, not the methods used. It's what I think Lean is about. At my new job, I have the pleasure of dealing with another sensei who prefers to be called friend, not teacher, yet he is clearly both. I have met numerous experts who can tell me what the word sensei means but can't tell me what it actually is. I have met people who call themselves lean expert or thought leader, or my favorite, waste guru. I have been told by these people why the Japanese systems don't work, why lean won't work here no matter where here is, why this system works better or that system fails there, etc. All these statements are usually followed by the words, here's what it's going to cost you to fix these problems. One of the associates here took scrap metal and used it as a weight to hold a cover in place, eliminating part of the scrap creation itself. The cost of the solution was minuscule compared to the scrap cost. He was not a lean expert, but he was a process expert and solved his own problem. He quickly followed that up by putting a piece of another scrap metal in place to eliminate parts from jamming the machine. Was he an expert in that machine? He was as it applies to output. Who knew lean better in this case? the doer or the experts. The world is full of people who can solve problems if they are allowed to. Go to your Gemba and listen to your experts. They already work for you. You can use outsiders for advice, but listen to your own experts for the best results. 
If you have in-house lean champions, have them partner up with your in-house experts, or better yet, have them help identify those hidden gems. I'm now the old guy. As I explained, I have reached the point in my career where I am the old guy, so my observations are from the point of view of someone who has worked in factories and supply chains for well over 30 years now. In my new job, full-time lean, I am working with a wide variety of people, attitudes, educational backgrounds, and temperament. What a ride! I find the vast majority of people here are looking for help and in fact are actually now demanding that I help them, usually by teaching them something in the lean tools. I have worked with associates who have been here one day, and I just got to work with someone who was here from the start of production. I have shown them how to do value stream mapping and root cause analysis. The five whys is a big hit here, as are five-day Kaizen events, an adaptation of the A3 process for quick fixes, and most importantly, Gamba walks. I am working with an industrial engineering technician to VSM a critical process, and he has taken it over with me being simply an advisor. He just asks me questions now. We started out to just look at one station, and then he took over and made it the whole line. He has started weekly Gemba meetings to fix the worst station, has gotten buy-in from a cross-functional team, and has moved the needle on improvements, just from a few talks and walks. He has fired me up so much that I am pushing for a five-day Kaizen event in this area, with him as the team leader. We will get fantastic results, I am sure and I am just as sure that the sensei will be impressed by him as well. I have been working with someone who actually got me this job and has taken the modified A3 process, we call it one-point lessons, and has his whole group turning in three to five of these per day. Savings are generated, 5S has come alive for these guys, his peers in the department have implemented it, and best of all, the senior manager of the department responds on a regular basis with congratulations and with words of wisdom. The same senior manager did a Gemba walk along with a group of people I invited to see the three areas in which we did our five-day Kaizen events. He loved what his group had done, but then he did the coolest thing, and that is he made those of us on the tour do something in the way of noise reductions for the associates in this particular area. This is a guy who clearly gets what Lean is about and does something about it. Before those of you who know me well try to figure out what happened to the old Bob, I can tell you that there are people here who talk a good game of lean, but then their actions fall well short of being lean. We have people who are afraid of the factory, so they stay in the bullpen a mere 50 feet from the most exciting place on earth, our production line. I have run across people that worked here when it was NUMMI, and it is clear that they just do whatever they are told to do without any of the spark I am used to from people who buy into the Toyota way. My favorite incident thus far, though, is having an intern tell me why my way of doing time analysis was wrong, because I include wait time, and everyone knows the only thing that really matters is machine time. Then he closed out with explaining to me that VSMs are obsolete, that nobody is doing them anymore, and, by the way, the visual factory will make my ways obsolete. Good thing I had a cold drink in my hand, or I might have been heartbroken to find all this out. Hopefully, he'll get a chance to learn why I do the things I do, instead of just hanging his hat on the process du jour. Here's to the ones who want to change the way we do things. May they multiply. My firefighting got in the way of progress. Those of you who have dealt with me on any lean journey know that the respect for people portion of lean is at the heart of what I believe. I firmly believe that, without it, lean of any consequence would not be possible. 
I have always said that respect is earned by being involved with people and helping them achieve better results than they could have gotten on their own. But what does that mean? Respect for people in the way I was taught is that you are expecting more from the people than they do of themselves, and that you are willing to coach them to that new level. It means you listen with your ears and mind, not with your mouth. It means you are willing to stop and talk to anyone at any time about any issue that bothers them, and to then do something about it. It means, dear manager, that you are here to help the people, not yourself. It also means that they are not simply a number to be utilized. In my first planning job, I had gone from a shipping clerk to an industrial engineer to a production planner at a very large, then and now, company and was successful in my new planning role. Or so I thought. Enter a new VP slash GM who spent two weeks just talking with people and looking at how and where things happened. He quickly figured out that I was the main firefighter, and, in my mind, was the reason we could pull off these miracles that beat our lead times being pushed through the factory by the sheer will of me. This was not the same thing that was in his mind. He called me into his office on Friday afternoon and told me I was being loaned out to another division a thousand miles away. But what would happen to our factory if I wasn't there? He smiled and said that he thought it would be okay. I spent six weeks in this different location and helped fix a few small things from an IE standpoint, but nothing from a planning viewpoint. When I returned to my home plant, I discovered a lot had changed. Locations had been consolidated, work groups had been formed, and physical walls had been torn down. The GM toured me through all the changes and explained what was going on. And oh, by the way, did you notice the factory is running a lot quieter and smoother? We ended up at the front lobby, and he said quite plainly that I had a choice to make. Be part of this new way, or find another job. Easy choice, since I had a small son at the time. He sat me down to explain why he offered me a choice, and that was that he saw my potential to add value as much greater than pushing product through the plant. My next stop was at a class on world-class manufacturing taught by Dr. Richard Schonberger, and the rest is history, as they say. Lean without respect isn't lean and will fail. The next story took place in the last 18 months or so, and involves a government agency and its attempt at implementing lean. They received funding from their parent organization, and they received donation leadership time from a known expert in cultural change. I had spoken to their leader about lean, and they had committed leadership. So far, so good, but, as an outsider, they didn't have the one thing they should have had from the start, and that is frontline people telling them what the problems were. They brought in consultants who taught them lean tools, formed teams, and started to do Kaizen events. But they still didn't listen to the people actually performing the work, nor did this management team consider their customers in any variation of their attempts. The only results that I can see as an outsider is that the workforce is now totally demotivated, the lean consultants quit and told the entity not to contact them again, and the local government spent thousands of dollars that could have gotten results if it was applied correctly. To get a consultant to quit on you takes a lot. We all love the money, right? The root cause on this one is very easy. There was no respect for people ever considered by this management team. If I was brought in to lead a lean implementation here, I would get rid of the anchor draggers, in this case, the management. Respect is earned by actions, not by a title. Just my opinion. Learning from an expensive mistake. To my racing buddies, we always say you are either on the throttle or you are off the throttle. No race has ever been won by being off the throttle. 
Ted Lin, founder of Lin Engineering, told us to play to win, don't play to not lose. Your efforts could have the same results, but the effort and the feeling about that effort are totally different. My sensei has told me repeatedly that there are lessons in everything you do, but the best ones come from a spectacular failure. I have done this as an employee, and I have seen it as a lean consultant. Early in my career, I was moved around quite a bit in operations. Our VP of operations believed in cross training and in placing talent where it could have an impact. I moved from shipping clerk to industrial engineer to production planner and then to buyer. This was in the days when MRP was first coming onto the scene, but we were still on the Cardex system. Yes, that is how old I am. I had a need for a certain electronic component and worked the supplier for a price break and got it. I ordered $1 million worth of this product and it was delivered as promised on time and to specification. Unfortunately for me, I had transposed numbers on my order and we received a product that was unusable for our needs. Rather than fire me, the VP told me to find a solution and then to let him know when I did. It took me weeks, but I found a competitor that used this model and they paid more for the product than we had. I gave them a 3% discount off of their regular price and we made 5% on the material. I more than learned my lesson from that and, to this day, I check numbers very closely. I am always asked about what causes failures in lean implementation and, in my experience, the biggest one is management, with a capital M. But not just from the lack of commitment, but from both micromanagement and from playing not to lose. If a company bets their future on lean, it is easier to try to not lose than it is to try to win. What happens is that the new people aren't allowed to do as much as they could, being limited to safe projects overseen by a manager and or a lean leader. The new person gets micromanaged. I can just hear it now. No, I said the eye goes inside the inventory triangle on a VSM. Or your data box has to look exactly like this. Or here's what your VSM will look when you are done as the teacher draws it on a whiteboard. If they make their VSM wrong, or if the Kaizen event is not held to the exact standard someone else wants, does that make it any less successful? Not really. And if we are truly lean coaches or champions, we will take these chances as a real learning time and show them where they went wrong or even suggest some solutions, but we will let them make more mistakes if we want them to learn. One of the people I have worked with over 10 plus years on lean recently told me he learned more when he failed and we talked about the failure than when he succeeded and had no idea why it worked. He is now a lean coach and tells me of some failures he's seeing. So I say let your junior people go try something, anything, and if it doesn't work, have them tell you what lessons they learned from it. You can then work on helping them along their lean journey by teaching them a better way. The Gleam in Her Eye I was recently asked to write some directions on Gemba Walks, and I have to admit I was surprised by the request. I remember my sensei's directions when I asked him about Gemba Walks. You just put one foot in front of the other and open your eyes to what is going on around you. I have to admit that I followed the traditional route of looking for waste while on my walks, but I happily discovered that you can find all manners of things to observe, not just waste. Early in my lean journey, I was told to stand in circle to observe a particular process. After 30 minutes, I had three observations, and all three were about waste I saw. My sensei suggested I do the exercise over again, this time for four hours of observations. I did the 360 view, and I found over 300 things to write about. The process I had been observing had been through a Kaizen event the prior month, and there were a number of cool things going on that I noticed the second time. 
I noticed things upstream and downstream of the process I was observing, and I found one piece flow until a bottleneck on the next station that resulted in a huge buffer stock being built to work around the issue downstream, but the buffer was being supplied in one piece flow until the buffer was full. I saw the material handling and Kanban replenishment being done in sync, but the builds were not in sync to the material flows. I saw Andon lights that were all green for periods of 30 to 60 minutes, but turned red regularly. The biggest lesson I learned was to watch the people, to talk to them whenever I could, and, most importantly, to listen to them. Over the following year, we performed numerous Kaizen events, taught many of the tools we all used to help out, and the plant became the top performer in this corporation's portfolio, going from an annual loss of 7% to net profits of more than 10%. Most important is that this plant supplied lean champions to the rest of the company for the next three years, and they spread the word of lean. The biggest lesson I learned during this three-year period was that lean was not designed to eliminate waste. It was designed to enhance the value-added portion of these activities via the improvement of the people, processes, and flows through the use of positive tools, not negative tools. People are the main reason we do our lean processes. They then add more value for our customers. I very recently did a Gemba walk with one of my fellow lean practitioners, and we went through some of the areas I had held Kaizen events in the two previous months. He liked what we had done, but his high point was one of the supervisors that had been involved in the earlier Kaizen. This was her first time doing a Kaizen event, and it came as a complete surprise to her at that. Because of our schedules, we have shifts that start on days and hours that are not the normal 8 to 5, Monday through Friday routine. She started her work week on Wednesday and had to take over the event midway through. She dug in and got herself up to speed quickly, and, at the end of the week, Her team was as far along as any of the other events. The following week, she made some more changes, and the week after that, and the week after that. She was assigned more processes to supervise, and she started changing that area. When we all met up with her on our Gemba walk, she asked for help quantifying some of the further work she had done. It was very clear she was enthused about this process, that she felt she owned this process, and that she owed it to her people to get them excited about it as well. It was very fun stuff. And, as we headed to the next area, my cohort told me, Did you see how excited she was and the gleam in her eyes? How do we do that to everyone? Indeed, how do we do that for everyone? Lean Champions After all my years involved in lean, my favorite title I have come across is Lean Champion. It seems to encompass all the traits that are critical to the success of a lean implementation. They have to talk and teach at all levels of an organization, from a trainee on the line to the CEO. They not only have to like that, they have to be excellent at communicating. They have to love working with people, and they must know and trust lean tools. Of course, they need to know the lean tools, but more importantly, they have to be able to apply them in many different situations, often at an extremely fast pace. They really need to have that hands-on experience of having done this for years, not just getting certified or taking a class, but actually having used the tools and having shown people how to use them. My sensei has told me that his generation, the first generation of Toyota consultants, believe that 30 years of experience is the mark of someone who can be a great sensei. In that vein, I believe that a great lean champion must have at least 10 years of experience in all phases of lean. I think that Kaizen experience as a team member, as a lean coach, and as a team leader is critical to their success. 
The truly exceptional ones I have worked with learn from the masters of Kaizen. My experience says that Shingijutsu trained lean champions tend to be stronger at Kaizen than those trained by others, simply because Kaizen is at the heart of the Shingijutsu way. I am not knocking anyone's training in Kaizen, just noting what I have seen in my travels. The good ones know that Kaizen is a way of life, and that every day there are many opportunities to improve. When they get to a five-day Kaizen event, they handle multiple teams and get results in all of them. I have also seen the truly great lean champions have worked their way up through an organization to learn various jobs and functions, and they have a solid understanding of how those functions interrelate and how they should mesh together. They can then combine that experience with their lean knowledge to ask the right questions that will lead an organization to real change. The great ones I have been around get their ego satisfaction from the results of the teams they are working with, not the individuals. The final trait is that they all have the heart of a champion, they have to excel, they have to make people around them better, and they hate to lose at anything. When I've worked with groups that included multiple lean champions, they each wanted to get the best results, and they drove their peers to higher levels of achievements. At one multi-plant company, we held synchronized events around the world, and every day at wrap-up, the lean champions held their own conference call to compare notes, results, and more importantly, they shared what they had done that was different than what they had done before. At the end of the event, we discovered that the seven lean champions had brought something from the area of the world they were from, and the one that they thought had come up with the most innovative solution was awarded the prizes. The CEO got wind of it and added three vacation days to all seven of their vacation pools as a way of saying, you guys rock, his exact words. My first Kaizen event. I want to share some of the story of my first Kaizen event with Shinijutsu. I was a consultant to a supplier of one of Shinijutsu's biggest successes. I read everything I could on this Kaizen stuff, which at this time was really not much, and studied hard. I stayed up the night before the event to make sure I got this stuff down pat, because, after all, you can learn everything from a book, right? Wrong. The first day started at 8 a.m., and by 8.15, I was pretty drowsy and managed to fall asleep. Keep in mind, this is an event paid for by the customer of my client. Oh man, I was embarrassed, and I knew I was in for real trouble. Instead of yelling or screaming at me, the sensei said, through his interpreter, I hope you give discounts for the sleeping time. The room laughed, as did I, and then the sensei said it was time to pick up the pace and we would go to the gemba. The fun really started then, and I discovered a whole new way of looking at things. We did things that the sponsors people thought were impossible, we changed so many things, and I got to deal with all levels of their organization. At the end of the week, I was hooked and have been on this path since. The sensei that week is still my sensei after all this time. I thank him for making my journey so interesting and so fruitful, although he will never read this, but his interpreter will. Sensei, I am giving back just as you requested, and I am having fun just as I wanted. How did I get here? I never really thought about giving back to the lean community in this way. I really thought I would do it one-on-one -on -one and in person. In my training, it was made abundantly clear that lean is a pay-it-forward environment, and that I was more than obligated to help people understand lean and the tools used in our journey to practice lean. Once again, I thank Mark Graybon for changing my view from implementing lean to I now practice lean, and I am attempting to get others to practice lean as well. Well, how did I get here? With apologies to the talking heads. 
When I was discharged from the military, I relocated to Silicon Valley, and, at that distant time, it was just starting to be called that. I worked in construction, and, during a layoff period over the winter, I went to work at a high-tech company as a shipping clerk. Compared to construction, the electronics industry was easy, and, in those days, hard work was recognized and rewarded. In a very short period of time, I fell in love with the work and the industry, and, even back then, technology fascinated me, no matter how crude by today's standards. All of the positions I held were as an individual contributor, so I really just did my job as I had been told or taught. There was no standard work at that time, but every now and then we would be told about policies and procedures, usually when one of us had made a mistake that caused our manager some kind of aggravation. We all came to dread the P&P reviews that our boss held on a more and more regular basis as the company grew larger. It was during this time that I was lucky enough to attend a five-day session with Dr. Richard Schonberger, who was teaching companies about world-class manufacturing, and I was hooked. It was a very simple process, and, if you did it right, you would see results like a 40% reduction in whip. What I didn't know at the time was that this was my first exposure to the Toyota production system. I used these simple WMC methods to really work out some issues in production, but it really wasn't designed to work for the whole company. Along came a book titled The Machine That Changed the World in 1990, and suddenly WMC looked like just the beginning. What I didn't realize at the time was that this methodology would become my life's work, and I was lucky enough to have managers that supported my experiments. I also had clients that had been exposed to this new thing called lean manufacturing from their customers such as Boeing and Danaher. So, I was helping people get better at manufacturing while I was getting better at managing manufacturing improvements. As I sit here more than 25 years later, I can tell you that, for me, the two things I love the most about Lean are the relationships with the people and that you continue to learn every day about Lean and how it can work and fail. I wrote earlier about my first Kaizen event, so I won't repeat that story, but it took me several years to really understand that Kaizen is not a five-day event. It is an event that should be occurring every minute. I am fortunate enough to have a sensei who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, managers and companies that wanted changes for the best of both the people and the company. And when I started, I truly didn't know what I didn't know, so I went and did things that more experienced people said could not be done. I practice Kaizen daily, and I am starting to get others to do so as well. One of my fights throughout my career has been that Lean works for cars, but it won't work for X, with X being whatever product the company I was working with made. And I know that's not true. I've seen Lean work, and sometimes fail, in many industries. I've read about Kevin Meyer's journey at Specialty Silicon Fabricators, a medical products company that is successful even after his exit. I read Mark Graybon's articles and blogs about healthcare, and again I see successes. At this point in my career, I don't know the limits of Lean, and I hope to see it applied across many more situations. In fact, I hope the next step of my personal Lean journey is into the great frontier of government. If you are in government and want some advice on Lean journeys, please connect with me and I will help in any way I can. Note that if you contact me, the price of admission is that you have to know who your customers are and you have to give back to the Lean world freely. I want to thank some people for their encouragement for my posts on LinkedIn. First, 
Kevin Meyer and Ron Perriera from Gemba Academy, who contacted me about a possible podcast, and Mark Graybon of Chi Nexus, who encouraged me to write more, who asked me to participate in this book, and who has helped remind me to always be practicing lean. All three have had an impact on the latest stage of my lean journey, and, in case I haven't said it before, try the Gemba Academy training series of online videos and DVDs. They actually work. I used them at a small company I worked at, and they worked there. Thanks to all of the people I am practicing lean with now, but in particular to the younger people I am helping out with their lean journey. You guys make my days and keep me young. Now go out there and have some fun.